0: Hey friend, this is Ryan Thomas. We're so blessed and grateful you're listening to On The Road and supporting Faith Radio. You are quite simply the best and we appreciate you so much. Enjoy the show. Discovering stories of courage, determination, and hope. Welcome to Faith Radio's On The Road. Now, here's Ryan Thomas. While so much of our understanding of ourselves and how we interact with others is expressed in two words, extrovert and introvert, but for terms we so often use to define and explain ourselves, what do we really know about what they mean? And for introverts, for whom that term is sometimes viewed as something to fix or treat, what if the way that we're wired is a gift and an opportunity to bless and enrich the lives of those around us? Today we'll talk brain chemistry, psychology, and great faith and purpose. As we welcome Holly Gerth, a best-selling author, life coach, and counselor. She's written a fascinating new book called The Powerful Purpose of You: Why the World Needs You to Be You. And the warmest of welcomes to you, Holly. How are things progressing for you today?
1: Uh, it is a good day. Thank you for asking.
0: Well, you're absolutely welcome. And we've heard so many great things about you in your ministry, but I must admit, I did not know that you spell your first name with an E right before the closing Y. That is just super. And I'm guessing that catches a lot of folks off guard.
1: Yes, I has gotten misspelled my whole life. But I'm actually <laughs> named after my grandpa who had a Christian bookstore in South Texas and is a big part of the reason I became a writer.
0: That's an amazing story. So there's some yes. legacy behind that E.
1: Yes. Yep, there is.
0: Oh, man. Well, doing the show, we continue to find just so many introverts in unexpected places and recording artists, speakers, public figures, you know, these folks who perform and communicate all the time and are introverts. And you really are a similar tale, right?
1: Yes, I am. I have a little quiz on my site that you can take where you can find out in one minute how much introvert you have in you. And I scored 96%. So that is a whole lot of introvert.
0: (laughs) Well, so that's interesting then. In terms of a percentage, I was going to ask you about that term, ambivert. Of course, we've heard extrovert. We've heard introvert forever. But is that something you subscribe to that, that in a sense, it's not you are an introvert, you are an extrovert. There's sort of a spectrum.
1: Yes. I actually am not a big believer in ambiverts because the reason we are extroverts or introverts really comes down to our brain and nervous system wiring. It's not about the things we often assume like how much you like small talk or parties. And studies have been done following people from infanthood through adulthood and they tend to stay consistent whether they're an introvert or extrovert. So That being said, I do think we're all on an introvert-extrovert continuum. None of us are 100% one or the other. So in that sense, we have a little introvert and extrovert in us. But as far as ambivert, I think most people are one or the other. It's similar to being right or left-handed. We use our both hands all day many different ways. But one's naturally stronger, and we just rely on it more.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, there's so many interesting things you said just in that answer that I want to unpack. But in terms of your personal story, when did you first realize you were an introvert and what kind of reaction did you have, if any, to that label?
1: Well, I've always loved learning about who God made us. When I told my mama that I was writing a book about introverts, she said, of course you are. You read a birth order book in fourth grade, came up with your own assessment, analyzed your friends, and did it for your science project. So I was nine. So I first heard the actual word introvert when I was in college, and it was one of those moments where I remember exactly where I was. It was at a campus ministry meeting. I was sitting on this gray carpet in an old building, and it was just like, wow, there's a way to describe how I engage with the world. And not only that, lots of other people engage with the world in this way, too. So it was a huge aha moment for me.
0: Hmm, hmm. Well, I'm just going to be honest here. Uh, I honestly think the most common approach that I've seen to introverts, including by many introverts, is almost looking at it as a condition to be cured or treated. I'm guessing that's probably not a healthy attitude.
1: (laughs) No, (laughs) especially since it turns out God intentionally designed introverts this way, you know, and half the population is made up of introverts. And so that was kind of my story too for a while, though. I really just understood what Being an introvert wasn't, like I said, it meant that I didn't love small talk, didn't necessarily want to go out every night, but I didn't understand the untold story of introvert strengths. And as I went on to become an author, a counselor, a life coach. And on my own personal journey, just looking into what it really means to be an introvert, I discovered that we have strengths that I think our world needs more than ever before. Mm. And that introverts and extroverts are complementary pairing. We see that so much, like in the creation story. There's day and night, lane and sea, masculine, feminine. And I think also God intentionally created introvert and extrovert.
0: Well, we're talking with Holly Gertz today on Faith Radio's On the Road. Holly is a best-selling author, life coach, and counselor. Her latest book is The Powerful Purpose of You, Why the World Needs You to Be You. And you mentioned that you can go to your website and take the quiz to find out introvert or extrovert. What, what is the address? Because I'm going to go do that right after we're done. <laughs> All right. It is it's my name,
1: hollygertz.com. And like you said, my first name does have an E, so H-O-L-L-E-Y. C-E-R-T-H.com.
0: Okay, awesome. Thank you for that. Well, you you touched on it already in one of the first responses, but you draw a distinction that's interesting, saying introversion and extroversion. First of all, those are real words, introversion and extroversion.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: I love it. I never knew that. I always assumed they were, but it's good to know from you that they are, so thank you. <laughs>
1: Give you
0: the official thumbs up. Thanks. <laughs> now, you say they aren't about personality, but about how we're physically wired. And that's, that's significant, isn't it?
1: It is, yes. And so introverts and extroverts differ in three primary ways. I'll go through those just really quickly. But the first is the neurotransmitter, which is a brain chemical that makes us feel our best. So extroverts feel best through dopamine, which works kind of like caffeine. It us up, prepares us for action. It's released in our systems, when we have a lot coming at us from the outside. Introverts have a level of dopamine that already feels pretty good. It's like we've had our morning cup of coffee. If we have a whole lot more coming at us, then it feels like having an entire pot of coffee, where maybe <laughs> exciting at first, but eventually exhausting. Uh. So we feel better through a different neurotransmitter, a set of choline, which I see is more like herbal tea. So it's released when we do activities like turning inward, having a meaningful conversation with one person, focusing deeply on a project we're passionate about. So that's one difference. And then our nervous system has two different divisions, sympathetic and parasympathetic, and they work in similar ways. One revs us up, one relaxes us. So you can imagine with that how that differs as well. And then I find it fascinating that studies have shown extroverts and introverts use a different primary brain pathway for processing. So extroverts use one that's shorter, faster, more focused on the present. Introvert use Introverts use one that's longer, more complex, and takes into account the past, present, or future. So that's why sometimes introverts just need a little bit of time to process before we respond, because we are using that different brain pathway. And again, all of us have access to all of these things, because we're not 100% one or the other. But when it comes to those specific differences, they just reveal how introverts and extroverts have some ways of being in the world that just vary, and that can be a really good thing.
0: Wow. Holly, thank you so much for this. This is like going to a class that you really want to actually go to. (laughs) (laughs) So
1: I get a little geeked out about the brain science stuff.
0: (laughs) Oh, man, it is so interesting. It really is. Now, at the heart of the message here is that potent phrase in the title of the book, powerful purpose. So what do you mean by that? And why do you think it's so vital that we live each of ours out?
1: Well, I think that ultimately our purpose is to become all God created us to be. And of course, that's just as true for introverts as extroverts. But I think sometimes because we live in a more extrovert-centric culture, that introverts often tell themselves they need to be different than who they are. Even in the church, they can feel like, you know, if I don't love all the group activities or the loud music or all the things going on as much as some of my friends, then maybe something's wrong with my faith. And I hear that a lot from introverts. And so I think it's just coming to a place in our lives where we understand who God made us and that we honor that and realize that we are needed in the body of Christ as is. And I came to that point because when I first started publishing books and getting a lot of speaking invitations, I told myself I have to be an extrovert now. I have to say yes to everything and everyone all the time. You can imagine where this went. <laughs> so I did that for a few years and found myself on the brink of burnout. And at a conference, I'd given the keynote on Saturday night and in Sunday morning worship. I couldn't stop crying. And I felt like God said, go home, Holly. And I knew he meant Get on the plane, go home, take a long nap, but also go home to who I created you to be, that who I was designed to be wow. was in alignment with his purpose for my life that i didn 't need to be more like anyone but Jesus
0: that is so powerful. you talk a lot about how significant self awareness becomes when approaching this whole issue, and I, I it makes so much sense hearing you talk about the understanding that you've gained about the brain and about how these two types of individuals work. But why is self-awareness so significant? Why is it so important, first of all?
1: Well, I think there are three ways we can approach the world. One is through self-criticism, where we're really hard on ourselves. That leads to insecurity. Another is self-focus, which tends to lead to pride. And then there's self-awareness, where we're simply saying, I'm going to understand who God created me to be so that I can use all the strengths and gifts and skills he's given me to the fullest in serving him and others. And I think a great example of that is Psalm 139, 14, where the psalmist says, I praise you because you made me in an amazing and wonderful way. Mm. And when we understand who God made us, it doesn't lead to pride. It leads to praise. And so I think that is important for us to know who we are. And the most self-aware people I know are also the most appreciative and accepting of the differences of others. Because they don't look at others and say, you need to be just like me. They look at others and say, I understand who I am. I want to understand who you are so that we can be better together. And I think especially now in our divided world, that is so
0: powerful. Well, we're joined today on Faith Radio's On the Road by Holly Girth. Holly's a best-selling author, life coach, and counselor. And the latest book we're unpacking today is The Powerful Purpose of You, Why the World Needs You to Be You. So you highlight the significance and the power of being self-aware. It strikes me that our culture is a little bit more given to self-obsession than self-awareness. I think that's fair to say. If we, if we see how important and significant self-awareness can be and we want to grow more self-aware, how do we get there?
1: Yeah, and I think one distinction, you know, because a lot of us worry, like, am I being self-obsessed or am I being self-aware? Yeah. So I think if self-obsession is like a pond and self-awareness is like a river. So we are learning about ourselves in ways that then flow out of us to other people, That's self-awareness. If we're continually just taking in more and becoming stagnant without passing it along or seeing real change, then that's self-obsession. So I think that's maybe a a distinction we can make. But Mm -hmm. some tools I love and that I've used a lot as a life coach and counselor are the Myers-Briggs personality type. know, the Enneagram, the five love languages. Although with that, most of us are familiar with the five love languages, but I've discovered that introverts and extroverts speak them in different volumes. Uh So for example, a words of affirmation introvert would probably appreciate a personal note of encouragement where a words of affirmation extrovert might appreciate being called up front during the term team meeting on Monday morning and affirmed in that way. And so even that subtle difference you know, we can try to love each other well and even know each other's love languages. But if we don't understand that introvert extrovert piece, then with the best of intentions, we can speak them in a volume that others can't receive.
0: Well, you unpack a whole toolkit of nine specific strengths that introverts have and opening that list is this phrase strategic solitude and of course one of the common knowledge bits i think about introverts is a love for some alone time is that wrapped up in this
1: yes that's part of it because also our nervous systems that introverts work like nuts with small holes and so we tend to be very observant empathetic we're taking in a lot of what's going on around us. So those nets get full, and we need that alone time just to process, empty them a little bit, and then we're ready for more. But a big distinction that I think we all need to understand is the difference between isolation and solitude. So isolation is living in a disconnected way. When we read that verse where God said it's not good for man to be alone, the meaning there is not about physical space. It's about living in a way that's disconnected. And I've had my, some of my most isolating moments in a crowd. So it's not about whether, with, whether we're with people or not. It's about how connected we feel. And in contrast, solitude is chosen time apart for a specific purpose. So restoration, connecting with God, reflecting, doing some of that processing. Maybe we're pursuing something creative. But that actually helps us live a more connected life, not a less connected one. And leadership studies even show for introverts and extroverts, solitude is one of the most important essential things that we can have in our lives. And so I think while, of course, extroverts and introverts can embrace solitude, it does come a little more naturally to introverts. And that's something that our world needs right now is permission to take that time and to do what we need to do to fill back up.
0: I think that this is connected to that response, but you make the contention that introverts have something to teach all of us about forming more meaningful connections in our lives. Can you explore that a bit?
1: Yeah, I think nat- in naturally introverts tend to pursue quality over quantity in relationships. We tend to have maybe a smaller circle of fewer people, but really the desire to go deep with those in our circle. And again, I'm not saying extroverts are never like this. It's just a little more natural for introverts. And I think our culture pressures us so much to just focus on quantity, more likes, more followers, more events on our social calendar. And we we end up being with people a lot of the time and yet still feeling alone. When I did a reader survey, the number one challenge extroverts told me they have is loneliness. And so I think introverts can lean into that ability and that desire for just meaningful connections and to get get beneath the surface. And instead of forcing themselves to do more all the time, which can be exhausting, to focus instead on whoever God has placed in their path today and that that's enough, that when we look at scripture, we don't see any commandments about quantity, only quality. We're just told to love whoever is in front of us.
0: This one is a little bit out of left field, so I apologize in advance. Uh, (laughs) And actually, if you don't want to answer it, you could just yell at me and we don't have to. (laughs) (laughs) But on the journey to powerful purpose, you know, and, and understanding who God crafted you to be, you mentioned social media there, and I can't help asking, are there, are there positives, are there negatives that social media is presenting to us? Because that notion of how many friends do I have <laughs> caught my attention a little bit. How do you think it perhaps helps us and hurts us on this journey to powerful purpose?
1: I think that social media is just like any other tool in our lives, that if we are in control of it, it can be helpful. If it's controlling us, it can be harmful. And I think for introverts, one of the biggest things to consider is that social media is all about dopamine, that brain chemical that I said that works like caffeine. Yes. That every time we get a notification, it releases a little bit of dopamine really? in our system. <laughs> and so... That is why it can be super fun. You know, it's like doing espresso shots all day. But obviously, especially for introverts, we've got to manage our energy and know that we can spend all day on social media and at the end of the day go, what did I do with my energy and why do I feel disconnected from people? And I think even extroverts can struggle with that. So I think the key to social media is just being intentional, just saying how much of my time, energy, emotion. Do I want to give to this? And what are the best ways to use that time, energy, and emotion? And then just put some boundaries in place.
0: Well, that is the voice of Holly Girth, a best-selling author, life coach, and counselor. She joins us today on the road for Faith Radio. Ryan Thomas is my name. Holly's latest book is The Powerful Purpose of You, Why the World Needs You to Be You, talking about incredible gift of introverts and extroverts today this has just been so much fun and i i can't resist geeking out a little bit more you touched on this early in the conversation the notion that uh, you don't believe that someone can necessarily go from the hardwired place of introvert to extrovert or vice versa can you dig into that a little bit more because so many people will say you'll hear people say you know oh i I was more of an introvert at this point in my life. Now I've become more of an extrovert. But you, you don't necessarily buy into that.
1: Yeah, I just get so many studies that follow people from infanthood through adulthood and say, you know what? These core parts of who we are really stay the same. We don't cross that middle line on the continuum. But that being said, research also shows we all become more introverted as we age. So when someone, I especially hear from extroverts saying, I feel like I'm becoming more introverted as I get older. And that's actually true. So within our range, we are all moving toward the introverted end over time. And then I think too, introverts in certain situations can certainly look and act like extroverts, often in a professional role. So some surprising people who are introverts that you might not guess include Oprah, Jerry (laughs) Seinfeld, Joy in a Game, a lot of these public figures that we see and assume they must be extroverts, they're actually introverts. So after they're done with that public part of that role, then they're like, okay, I need that processing time. I need to be back with my inner circle of people. They just have that need along with what they do professionally.
0: You know, one of the things that you write extensively about is genuine influence. And you describe that as being another strength that introverts have. And in terms of why you believe that introverts really claiming who they are and living their their genuine purpose, why is that so significant, that notion of genuine influence, Holly?
1: Yeah, well, I think that studies have shown that introverts and extroverts lead equally well, they just have a little bit of a different style. And so introverts often do what I call leading from behind. And so they get behind a person, a project, a company, a cause, and just champion it. (laughs) in a way that is really powerful. And even Jim Collins in his book, Good to Great, he talked about level five leaders and a lot of the characteristics he used to describe them. I was like, those are introverted characteristics. And so I just don't want introverts to ever discount their ability to lead or influence just because it looks a little bit different. And so I think in our world today too, influence used to look like a pyramid where it took having a position to have influence or to be a leader. But social media and a lot of those other things have flattened that. And influence now looks like a series of interconnected webs. And so those meaningful connections that introverts make are often really powerful. And when you get an introvert leader and an extrovert leader paired up you have what author Jennifer Conweiler calls genius opposites. You sort of get the best of both. For example, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, Martin Luther King, and Rosa Parks. When we see introverts and extroverts coming together in leadership, that is a powerful thing. And I think we need that right now.
0: I also just want to say kudos on your analogies. You have used spider webs, you've <laughs> talked about irrigation systems. I mean, this is this is diverse language, Holly. Well done. <laughs> now it's easy to notice as you listen today that even though the book is written for introverts in a sense, there's really something here for everyone. What can you tell extroverts specifically that will strengthen their relationships with introverts?
1: Well, I think that a question that's helpful for all of us in every relationship, no matter what type we are, is simply asking, how can I love you well right now? Because we tend to assume that other people need what we do, that they engage with life the same way as we do. And, you know, even one difference between extroverts and introverts is how we experience happiness. So because of that brain and nervous system wiring, extroverts often experience happiness as excitement or enthusiasm. Introverts experience it more as calm and contentment. So extroverts can worry about their introverts and think they must not be happy (laughs) because they're just chilling out, you know, (laughs) staring out the window or whatever we're doing. And, you know, actually we're okay or vice versa, you know. And so I think just understanding some of those differences and taking the time to pause and listen and find out how does this person process the world and how are we better together? I think that's a real act of love and service.
0: Well, this has been one of the most fascinating conversations that we have had in our seven years on the radio, I have to say. Holly Gerth is a best-selling author, a life coach, and a counselor. The book is The Powerful Purpose of You, Why the World Needs You to Be You. And I know uh, Holly, available wherever fine books are sold. You also told us about the website, and you can go there and take a quiz, like a one minute quiz, and find out even more about yourself, right?
1: That's right. Just pop on there one minute, and you'll know what percent introvert you have in you.
0: Okay, awesome. And that's hollygirth.com?
1: Yes.
0: Marvelous. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Holly. It really has been absolutely fascinating. A real treat to meet you today.
1: Yes, you too. Thanks again for having me.
0: Thanks for sharing in the story of this latest episode of Faith Radio's On the Road. For more on today's conversation and the full podcast archive of all our episodes, look for On the Road when you visit myfaithradio.com. Thanks so much for listening to On The Road. Programming like this happens because of your incredible support. You can learn more about partnering financially at myfaithradio.com. And we'd be so glad to connect with you during the week on social media. Just search for On The Road with Ryan Thomas on Facebook and our Twitter handle is at OnTheRoadRyan. Until next time, God bless you, my friend.